to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. I'm your host, Nate. I'm your co-host, Brian. And we have a new week for you here. Hope you are starting yours off strong on this Monday morning or whenever you're listening. Uh, We want to encourage you. We have a new topic that we're really excited to break out for you today. It's options, options, options. And we're going to have a guest host with us uh, on the second part of this podcast, Jonathan Jordan, who will be giving his expertise on the matter and on the subject. And he certainly has a lot to say about it because it's part of his system. Uh, But for right now, on part one of this podcast, we want to break down the subject for you initially. And with that, we start with our quote from Brian. Presenting a client with only one option is never an option. Unknown author. Uh, Anon. He's got so many good quotes. (laughs) Love it. Uh, Yeah. Presenting, Presenting the client with only one option is never an option. It's so good. And so that's where we're starting off this podcast with the concept of options. How many? How many is the right number? How many is the wrong number? And uh, what do they look like? So we want to jump into it right now and just kind of give you a, a high level view of what we mean by options. It simply means that whether you are talking about products or recommendations or fixes or diagnoses or whatever it may be, there is not there is not just one right answer. There is multiple answers that the client, emphasis on the client, gets to choose. Yeah, and if they if they if they get to choose, so you you have the choice. You have your own option of presenting them with one option, which again should never be an option. Um, no, I see what you did there. If you if you just ask them to become an owner of this product or this service. That's it. Just this one. Here's what I'd I'd like you to do. You have a 50% chance of getting a yes right off the bat. It's yes or no. If you present three options, you have a 75% chance of getting a yes. You have option one, option two, option three, or option four, which is no, none. Um, So just by presenting three options, your odds automatically double. And getting a yes, or what, triple. Yeah, do the math for us there, Brian. I think you're an expert expert in that. In math? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's not my strong suit. Anything I had to go to school for, not my strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, anything you can do to increase your odds in the home is, is something that I would always have been looking forward, looking for in a truck um, and – you know, with anything you do, you're, you're just looking to increase your odds of success by any, um, by any real means necessary without cheating or taking shortcuts or lying or, you know, um, if, if presenting 10 options gave you a better shot, I would present 10 options, but it's actually statistically found that the three options increase your odds of success, uh, the maximum amount where if you go four or five and six options, now you're seeing the law of diminishing returns where 
each option you add, you, you add the likelihood that they're just going to not choose any. And the reason for that is because it gets too confusing. They, they become overwhelmed. And even to this day, I'll see, I'll see techs who have been trained in three options. I'll just see an invoice every now and then where there's like six options. And by and large, when you see an invoice with six options on it, they chose option seven and didn't do anything and told you they have to think about it because it's a lot to think about. And it's tough to make a, uh, a decision you feel informed about when you're presented with you know, a, a half dozen options. It's just too much. It's too fast. We've only been with them for an hour, hour and a half or so. We didn't really have time to explain a half dozen options in a way that makes them feel comfortable enough to choose one of them. It is almost guaranteeing you're going to hear, I have to think about it. So one is too few. In my opinion, four is too many. Um, there are, there are times when you're only going to have two options, and that's fine. But by and large, vast majority of the time you're presenting, you should have three options to present. Yeah, I think what you're talking about there, Brian, is known as decision fatigue or choice fatigue, which is an actual real psychological um, term uh, for people who, when, when they have so many choices in front of them, they just shut down and or they make poor decisions uh, on, on top of it. So you really want to be mindful as to how many choices you're giving your client because it it can really confuse the, the matter. I mean, I just think of uh, the Cheesecake Factory. If any of you have eaten there, their menu is literally a book. Uh, I, I think it actually has a spiral binding on it. Uh, it has so many options. And I bet you the average order time at the Cheesecake Factory is as at least one and a half times of any other restaurant, simply because when you're given so many options to choose from, uh, not only does it take so much longer to process through it, but the real potential of you making either a poor decision or just opting out altogether is definitely there. Now, if I'm already sitting at the restaurant, I'm probably not opting out. I'm going to choose something, but I might not choose the one that I really wanted because I'm just plagued with too many choices. And so for you as a technician out there, what you really want to consider is, is what is the right number? And in many cases, three is a good starting place there. Uh, good, better, best, or one, two, three. Um, and then always having that fourth option of, I choose not to do anything, or it's okay if you don't proceed. Uh, but definitely keep that in mind when considering building options that the quantity is, is key. And as our quote mentioned, not giving options is not an option. So if your option is one or none, uh, you're, you're really doing everybody a disservice at that point. Certainly doing everybody a disservice by giving zero options. Um, there will be the super rare occasion as, as discussed on this podcast before where there's just nothing to offer. And that, that happens from time to time when you just see, I mean, everybody in the company has had their turn going out to this home and there's somebody who loves the, the company and loves the products and services and anything we recommend, they tend to just go with, they, they just, they love it. And you get there and you're like, there's, there's no way you could upgrade this system, plumbing, electrical, HVAC, whatever it is. There's just, there's nothing to do here. And you get to kind of walk out feeling, um, you shouldn't feel let down necessarily that um, that's the type of client they are. And hopefully you were somebody who got to install some of those products, but um, just happy that there's somebody that 
loves this this company and our technicians and our products so much that they they have them all <laughs> that really is the win 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 <clears throat> um but the majority of the calls we run there there are options to present and if you ever walk out of a home and have not have not presented an option or options when there was something to present that's when you've done a huge disservice to that homeowner like to it means you've either prejudged that they can't afford it, which is the biggest mistake we make as technicians in the home, um, is walking in and saying, well, most of my clients have this type of house or this type of car, so they probably can't afford it. So let me just save time here and get out of their hair. Just a, a horrible way to treat somebody. Um, or you don't connect with that person. You, you just don't feel, a, you don't feel like they're your type of people and you don't really want to do business with them and you just can't wait to get out of there and you roll out without presenting options so you don't have to do anything and stay longer which um it's not something we talk too much about but if you're in if you're in the field long enough you deal with people that you just you flat out don't see eye to eye with and you don't want to spend a single second longer in that home than you have to but that's when you know your responsibility should kick in and say I'm not just here for me I'm here for this client I'm here to represent this company and they call this out here for a reason and in that case, you present your options, and if they go with it, they go with it. I mean, there's always calling into the office and getting somebody else to go put it in or, um, you know, just working something out with your manager or just, you know, man up and get your job done and get out of there as fast and friendly as you can. Yeah, really good stuff there, Brian. And, and I want to focus for a moment on the power of choice, right? So why is it so critical that the client has choice? Why does it matter? Why is it not okay to just have one option? Why is it not okay to just tell the client, hey, you have to do this? And, and why is it okay, or, or why is it better, I should say, to give them the opportunity to buy, essentially, to make their own decisions and to get out of the way? I mean, Brian, I know you have a lot of experience in... in uh, that type of thinking and, and removing yourself from the equation, so to speak. So let's, let's talk about that for a moment. Why is that so important? Uh, there were two, maybe five questions there, but, but at least two, um, I'll start with why options, um, as, as, uh, the great philosopher slash comedian, Chris Rock said, being wealthy is not about money. It's about having options and, you know, that doesn't have a lot to do with what we're talking about in terms of selling. But it should give you an idea as to how f people feel about having options. Have, having options makes you feel like you have control over your life. It gives you a sense of empowerment. And being able to choose, like, I want this versus that. Uh, I'd like to tweak this and go with this package. Um, it just feels better than saying yes or no. Like, do you want it or not? Yes or no. Um, it, it feels more empowered. Feels, And if you're going over options, you have to explain this option versus that option. And you have to kind of know your product and know the service and know what each one is going to do for this home and this homeowner. Um, and it makes you a better technician. I mean, you're, you're, you don't have to think a whole lot or put a whole lot into a presentation that ends with yes or no. But you really have to do your homework and, and craft your presentation if it's going to end with three different possibilities to choose from. And you have to have a good explanation of why this versus that versus that. And 
keeping in mind that each one has a different price tag and you have to build value in the higher two options, more value than the, than the lowest option. In terms of, um, what was the other question? <laughs> Why is it so important to remove yourself from the equation? And, and give them an opportunity to buy. Yes. Um, pre-qualify or don't, or don't pre-qualify. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I understand the logic of pre-qualifying. Um, well, I mean, let's talk about that first. What, what exactly is that? Pre-qualifying, like I said, was just you go into the home or you pull up in front of the home and you see that it's, it's a, you know, less of a quality home than what your typical client lives in that buys from you. And you just up and decide. I mean, there are some people who decide to pre-qualify and not even percent so, because they feel like they're going to hurt the client's feelings if it's something they can't afford which again I don't I don't know how that math lines up because I mean we you know we might watch commercials for a Aston Martin car that I can't afford but I don't feel hurt by the fact that they offered it to me on the TV it's like <laughs> why why make that connection at all um and then the bigger thing is you have no idea what what this person can afford they might not feel an urge to spend that money on their dwelling but they might you know, on the out, outside or the exterior, the size of their home or the neighborhood they live in, but they might really have plenty of money or credit or what have you and like to spend it on comfort. And so many of the products we have to offer deal in comfort and security, and that might be their thing. So not even giving them the chance to say yes or no is, is belittling them, in my opinion. And who wants to feel like that, especially in your own home? So you always present if you think they'd benefit from it, and you always present three options. And you do it in a way that this is what it's going to do for you. This is how it's going to feel once you're an owner of this product. This is how it's going to change ever so slightly or in a huge way how you interact with your plumbing, electrical, or HVAC system. And here are the three options, and which one makes the most sense to you. And get out of the way. And don't push the one that's higher priced if you make more off of it or the company gets more revenue or whatever. You just here are the three options and here's what they'll do for you. What do you think? Yeah, that's so non-abrasive, really. I mean, and that's what we're talking about here. That's why options are important, not only for the client, but also for you as a as a service professional out there that it, it, it it's designed to remove the pressure from the situation. Because if you go at the client and you say, hey, here's what you need to do, it's a high pressure situation. You've used terms like what you need to do, what you have to do, uh, you, you, you're forced to do this, whatever it may be. And the client is automatically under a lot more pressure with that type of uh, decision. It's, it's either yes or a no, right? But if you present multiple options and you even highlight the fact that no is always a choice, then not only is the pressure relieved, but the client also gets to make the right one for them. And you don't have to feel like you're shoving anything down their throat, just like Brian was saying. It's just a much more amicable situation for the environment of the call. Everybody feels more at ease because there's choices and not forcing. Yeah, and being at ease is exactly where you want the people sitting across the table from you. I mean, the more at ease they are, the more at ease you get to be and vice versa. And even if it doesn't work out and they don't 
purchase anything, um, you certainly want to leave on those terms. You're just both at ease. They'll use us again. Um, they won't have an issue calling you again. Maybe the thing you said is kind of on its last leg, and they des- they decided not to replace it today. You know it's on its last leg. It might be three weeks or three months until it finally breaks down. And you leaving them at ease and and in a good spot with you uh, could very well mean that they're going to call and ask for you personally when it does break down. And then they say, well, you were right. We didn't believe you, but you were right. So let's let's talk about the other things you recommended since now we know we can trust your your assessment. Right. And and I relate that to kind of the uh, having a safety talk with your kid about touching the stove, right? So it's one thing to tell your child, hey, don't touch the stove, you're going to get burned. It's another thing for that child to touch the stove and get burned. One of those messages is going to last and and be remembered a whole lot longer than the other one because the experience was coming from the person who who was receiving the message, not the person who was teaching it, right? So the same thing with going to college. Those who pay to go to college will generally get more out of it than those who get a free ride. Uh, those who pay to have their own car will take care of it better than those who get a car handed to them for free, whatever it is. I think that's a fairly well-known principle, and it can be applied into options with uh, when a person decides on their own that they would like to go forward with option one, two, or three. It was their choice. They weren't forced into it. They weren't backed into a corner. And so not only will they be happy with their choice, uh, but they won't adversely look at how they got there. Whereas if they are told you have to do this, don't touch the stove, you'll get burned. Uh, there's always that kind of like, well, you know, maybe I, maybe I will touch the stove or, uh, you know, maybe I won't choose this option, whatever it is. And it, it kind of creates that um, rebellious or, or just forced feeling that has negative connotation in a lot of different directions. And so another reason why it's important to have options in front of the client is to give them their ability and their satisfaction that it was their choice. Yeah, and I've seen <clears throat> I've seen different types of options presented, and it seems like um, most texts that that regularly present options as a rule, they have their certain way that they present them. Which um, some texts, and and I've seen all of all of these done very successfully by very high level producers, but some texts do like um, option three is good, option two is better, option one is best. <clears throat> so good, better, best. I've seen some do the um, option three is what has to be done right now, in my opinion. Option two is is um, stuff that would uh, what has to be done right now, plus stuff that could probably wait a little while. But you know, if we're here, we can do it now. And then option one is is stuff that could be long term or not done at all, just like a uh, an elective type thing that would en- enhance the system plus the other two options. Um. And then option, or uh, other, some other people would present it like, this is the stuff that would just repair this system uh, and get it back in working order. This is the stuff, option two, um, is the stuff that would enhance your system and make it an overall better, more enjoyable system for you. And then option one would be just, let's just get get everything done today while we're here. <clears throat> um it would be nice to have like a, a few different people who present each one of those ways discuss why uh, and why they're effective, why they why they choose to present that way. 
I was one that presented, um, here's the repair, kind of the immediate, here are some upgrades that we talked about or that I pointed out, and here's just let's get, get everything done while I'm here option. And usually I was, I was kind of pushing for option one, um, not just for like revenue sake or, or my pay, um, certainly not, but, but I always found that the people who did option one, so the people who did the water treatment system and yanked out their, you know, 50 gallon electric water heater and put in a tankless. And we also rebuilt a few toilets and put a, some, you know, a little bit higher capacity shower heads on to make the showers better. It may be a recirculating pump, so they stop waiting eight minutes in the morning to get hot water to their shower. Um, these were the people who left me the, the most glowing reviews. The people who did option three, where we just replaced the toilet flapper and the, the fill valve, were the least likely to write a really glow, glowing review. I mean, they've done something f- for $200 that they know they, they could have paid 20 bucks for the parts for and, you know, figured out how to do themselves potentially. And, you know, they don't add in the part where they have to have me back to fix it after the fact and it costs even more. But um, they rarely wrote a huge glowing review if they did, you know, a, a, a level two repair and no upgrades. But the people who did the biggest tickets, the most work, all these electives that, that were things they could have done without, but they and I agreed that this would be the best for their family and they could, you know, they could afford to do it without taking food out of the fridge or presents from under the Christmas tree or what have you. Um, they would write these reviews where it's like we, we never realized that we could stop running out of hot water after two showers and that we, we could all get showers in the morning um, or that I didn't have to smell chlorine coming out of my kitchen faucet or, you know, put put jet dry and let me shine in my dishwasher or my glasses are going to be all cloudy when they come out. Um, these people tended to be the biggest cheerleaders of anybody who chose any of the options. Yeah, and I'm sure with our guest on part two of this podcast, you'll hear a version of how he goes about presenting, whether it is, you know, good, better, best, or one, two, three, or any of those choices. And I think what Brian's trying to communicate there is it's, it's not so much about the words, although there is certain strategies to that, it's not so much about, uh, you know, whether it's three options or four options, it's more about, are you doing options period? And, and that's where I want to have you guys who are listening, answer that question for yourself. Do you, do you do this? Uh, and if the answer is no, my question is why not? What has caused you to either stop doing this from a time in the past or to never begin? Because there's certainly a lot of uh, proven merit that this um, this presentation tool from strictly a number standpoint will serve to benefit you in many ways. Meaning that like, even if you don't have much of a, a presentation, even if you're kind of uh, very lackluster in your conversation, strictly by giving choice, the likelihood of somebody choosing to buy goes up as opposed to either never giving choices at all or, you know, in a worst case scenario, using the you have to, uh, you need to conversation. So I really want to encourage you that if you have either stopped doing options um, or you never started, that today's a new day. Today is the day to waste no day and to bring that back in and put it in your toolbox and start using it effectively. 
And I'm really excited to interview our guest on the second part of this podcast to hear how he uses that on a day-to-day basis, because I think the consistency is where the power is. Yes, you can fine-tune it. You can make it something special and very effective. Uh, but at a base level, the consistency of offer is, is really where the effectiveness lies. I couldn't agree more um, consistently finding and presenting things that could, could enhance the quality of the plumbing system, the HVAC system, the, the air that they breathe inside their own home, um, and the electrical system is what we should be doing out there. And it is funny because I had a, recently had a, a uh, operations manager from another um, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing come and shadow me for half a day. And he was telling me that a couple of his guys are just guys who they run service calls, but he knows if they're going to a service call, they're going to fix what's broken and not offer anything else. He knows if they're running a maintenance call, you have a maintenance call done and nothing ever gets, no work ever gets added to that job. I said, did you ever ask him why they do that? And he said, yeah, they, they just say they don't want to be salesmen. And it, and it just struck me as, as I was sitting there, I mean, I think we just stared at each other for 30 seconds while I just processed that you as a technician in the home would rather be a tech who goes in with blinders on it and pretends that nothing in this system could ever possibly go wrong and that this client could never have an insurance claim uh, because something failed a week after you left and you never told them it could fail or you never presented an option to upgrade anything. You'd, you would rather be that than somebody who's, who sells things for a living, which is kind of what you do anyway. You, I mean, you sell that operations manager on letting you keep that job, which in my opinion, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not endorsing. I can't say I, I condone that with that kind of attitude because of the amount at the amount to which you're shortchanging the the client and and the company um, it's like a it's a win lose lose i win as a tech cuz i get to beat my chest and and pretend i'm not a salesman company loses because there's no if there's no revenue coming in there's no doors staying open you can't pay the bills client loses because here i just had a quote unquote professional in my home who was supposed to check my system and 30th straight maintenance call, he told, he didn't tell the client there was anything wrong, didn't present any options. <clears throat> and now my water heater floods. That was 18 years old and on its last leg and it had, you know, rust coming down the element ports and moisture. And because this technician is so proud of not being a salesperson, he didn't, he didn't warn me about it. And I have a finished basement. And now I have a huge insurance deductible and I'm still replacing that water heater anyway, whereas I could have replaced it a month ago um, and saved myself an insurance claim. But I had, I'm not a salesman guy in my home and I'm not a salesman guy didn't tell me that there was anything wrong here. Yeah. And, and if nothing else, the, the, uh, the backbone of options is <laughs> security of knowing that you as the last person in are not responsible because you took the decision out of your mind and you put it on the table for the customer to say yes or no to that kind of, that's another aspect of pre-qualification. I mean, 
from from one standpoint, you have uh, the demographic of the person that you're serving. You know, oh, okay, they got the Mercedes out front, or oh, okay, they got the you know the Gremlin out front, if those things are still around. <clears throat> uh, and you make a judgment based on that. But then there's also the pre-qualification based on your own personal decision making. Like, well, you know, it's not that bad. I would entertain that level of risk so it doesn't come up. And that that's the key right there. I would entertain that level of risk, meaning I am comfortable with that level of risk. Well, guess what? Uh, good for you. Not necessarily good for the next person, okay? I enjoy riding a roller coaster, but there are plenty of people out there that are absolutely terrified of doing that. I have jumped out of an airplane with a parachute on. There are many people who they, they, they won't even fly in an airplane, much less jump from one. Uh, and then there are many people who are, who are way above my own risk tolerances as well. And, you know, they jump out of an airplane uh, from, from space or something like that, right? Or, or they're way more willing to uh, go on a, a safari hunt with a knife or something like that, right? And I'm just thinking like, that's crazy. So your tolerance for risk and your, your adversity towards pain plays into the decision-making. And that needs to be factored into how you construct your options. Because if you only construct your options based on what you personally would do, you are, you're doing a disservice to the client and you're potentially putting into jeopardy their personal care and comfort. So in, in the situation that Brian was describing there, let's just say that that water heater is rusting down the side and you're thinking like, wow, I mean, it's not that bad. And I mean, it's not really the end of the world if some of the water gets onto the floor. Okay, that's your decision. And that's your decision to make in your home. It's not your decision to make in their home. And so you need to really think about tempering your own thought process when you construct your options. Because if you only ever rely upon what you would do, you're probably missing at least half of the clientele in, in what you're putting down on paper. Oh, it, it, probably far more, far more so. I don't really know anybody offhand who would... Uh be told by a professional in, in a legit way that, that this thing is, is ready to blow. It's ready to drop, you know, 50 gallons of hot water and as many gallons as will come out until you find it and turn the valve off. And it's going to happen anytime. I don't know. I don't know anybody who owns a home who would say, well, oh, we'll see when it goes. That's, that's just not a reality. But I, but in my opinion, these guys who haven't presented a single option in and I don't mean three options. I mean, they have not recommended anything in weeks, despite running these calls every day. I don't even know if they're looking at anything. I just find them to be extraordinarily lazy and um, not interested in all and what's, what's best for the client. All right, so let's get real practical with this. Let's say that you're a guy that either doesn't do options or you haven't done them in a long time. Today's the day. Let's get started with it. And start yourself off basic, okay? The next client that you go to, I want you to create three options. Three options. They could be very simple. Good, better, best. They could be basic, uh, medium, premium, whatever you want to call them. One, two, three, okay? And I want you to find one item for basic or the bottom option. I want you to find two items for the middle and three items for the top, okay? That's all you have to do. Just do that and then go have a conversation about it. Make sure you listen to part two of this podcast where I assume that JJ will probably get into what that conversation could look like. Uh, but 
for your purposes right now, you need to make a decision. You need to make a choice. You have no option except to present options and you need to carry and conduct your way yourself in that way. So build the options and go have a conversation about it and see what happens. And you know what? Do it again the next call and do it again the next call and do it again the next call. And then when you start getting a little bit more comfortable, you know, getting your bat off your shoulder and getting the motion of the swing, then, then the softballs start coming. And then you can build your options a little bit more expansively. And then you can learn how to present them a little better. And then you can grow from there. All right. Nobody's saying that you have to become this option machine overnight or that you need to turn into this, you know, crazy, good uh, presentation person. Uh, you can start small and you can choose to waste no day, even in the small decisions. In fact, that's often where wasting no day really comes to. I don't know. Anybody wakes up and says, well, we're going to make a mess of this one. So let's get started. No, usually you get to the end of your day and you look back and you say, ah, if only I had made a better decision there. If only I had made it a, a better decision at this time or about, about that choice, whatever it is. It's the small decisions, the small choices to waste no day that will have the big impact on how your day actually turns out. And so I'm challenging you on this podcast right now, whatever time of the day that you're listening to, that the next person that you see in the service industry as a client, that you are going to construct them options and then talk about them. And if you do that, guess what's going to happen? It might actually work. Will actually work. <laughs> that's, uh, it's not 100% of the time, but if, but if you're, uh, what was it? Was it Wayne Gretzky that said I miss 100% of the shots I don't take? Yeah, that was him, right? I think that's right. I miss 100% of the shots I don't take. Um, and... I, I was a competitive guy in a truck, and I like to win, and I like to be number one, and I like to be surrounded by guys who were like that, and you know, techs who had that same kind of mindset, and we were always looking for ways to get better and um, present better, and um, close more, and sell more, and do bigger revenue numbers, but always in a in an integrity driven way. Like we would we would even when I was in a truck with you know, various other technicians, if we found out that one of the guys was taking shortcuts and selling stuff that um, he was lying about, we got him out as fast as we possibly could before that type of cancer took down the company. Um, but we always wanted to get better and, and be as efficient as we possibly could and get the client to say yes to the products that we presented as often as possible. Um, but always with principles in mind and saying that we wouldn't, we wouldn't bend or budge on um, lying to our clients. <clears throat> and we got really seriously good at it. Um, and, and I was one that benefited from having a strong team of like-minded people who were just, just wanting to get better and better and better. And some of those people will be able, will be uh, fortunate enough to have on the podcast here coming up, even techs who, you know, don't work with us or even in this company and just talk about how we, how we got there from being, you know, brand new to this kind of thing to what we would do in the mornings before the actual meeting would start, how we'd congregate together and, and go to the meeting room without any managers and, and talk about the objections we found yesterday. And, and we'd all like think up creative ways to overcome that objection and we'd write it on the board and, we were just, we were all over it. We were, we were uh, digging into each other and pushing each other and trying to get better. And we just really enjoyed the process. And it, it took us, it was really empowering because it took our little group. And this would be, 
me, Brian Burton, uh, my brother at the time in Las Vegas, this was Kevin Burton, my my brother-in-law, uh, Joey Feliciano, uh, Brent Buckley, who's an HVAC tech, um, maybe Matt Matt Harbison, who was, I believe he's is or was uh, operations manager of the Las Vegas Benjamin Franklin Plumbing now, um, and a few other guys that, that we would just, we called it the shark tank where we'd, you know, before the show existed, <laughs> where we'd get in there in, in the mornings before the meeting and we'd just, we'd push each other. Like we'd talk about what we did yesterday, where we went wrong, what, what cost us a sale and how we could do better next time. Um, and that, that pushed us to be far better techs than we were ever going to be on our own. But it started with the, the desire. I mean, there were, you know, there might've been three plumbers and four HVAC techs at that company who never came to those meetings. They showed up right when the real meeting started. They never came and congregated with us and did that. And we surpassed those guys in terms of income and production so fast. It was, it was ridiculous, but they never, they never thought to get better. They didn't want to put any extra time in. It just wasn't what they were focused on. That's not a bad thing, but I think if you find yourself as, as somebody who wants to be that, who wants to be more competitive and have more fun and get better at your, your career, you're going to have to seek out those type of people. And for me, <clears throat> I mean, I was the first one of all the guys I just named at that company and brought most of those guys to that company myself. I mean, I, one of them I, I uh, saw out of Ferguson Supply House and talked him into coming to join our company just because he was, he was like telling a story and in the middle of the Ferguson and he had even the guys behind the registers, like all ears, everybody stopped what they were doing to hear the end. And then he told the the end of the story and everybody died laughing and went back to their shopping and he walked outside and I walked out behind him. This was Matt Harbison. And I convinced him to come over to the company I was at just like that. And he did. And, uh, he was a wild success as a result but that is the kind of thing that you as a tech, if you if you think you're that type of person who would benefit from having competitive, you know, fun techs around you who would push you and you could push them and you could get better together, you probably have to go out and find that. You probably have to bring that into the company. And once you do, the sky's the limit on everything. Your income, how much you enjoy your job, it's a completely different place when you're you're filling it yourself with like-minded people. And I definitely encourage people to do that. If somebody's super negative and they don't want to do this and this isn't them and they just want to do the maintenance and, and leave and they only want repair calls and they don't want to present options, help them find somewhere else to work and bring somebody in to replace them yourself that would be more fun for you to work around. Don't leave it up to your manager to do it. What we're saying, guys, is you have options, okay? You have options as to what you're going to do personally you have options with where you're going to work and you have options to wake up every single morning and choose to waste no day. And that is the point of this podcast, okay? And those, the, the, the privilege that it is to have those options as to where you work and what you do and how you do it is the exact same thing that we're looking for you to present to the client, okay? The same choices that you have, they get. And it's just a little different about where they you know, if it's products or services as opposed to where I'm working or what I'm doing, but it's all about options and it's all about what you choose to do with those. So if you are working for the tri-brands, hey, fantastic. You made a great choice. 
If you're not, we'd love to we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to meet you, and we'd love to see if there's a place for you here because this is what we do. We have options, we create options, and we make the best choices that we can. And we want to encourage you to do that, to not spend your days wishing for more, but to wake up every single morning and choose to waste no day. This podcast is a production of the South Central Pennsylvania branch of One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, and Mr. Sparky Electric.